Greetings, greetings. It's such an honor to come before you one more time as we continue to talk about the work of the Ecclesia. Today, we are talking about the evangelist, the messenger. Okay, we're going to talk about the evangelist, which is the messenger. I'm reading from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 to 5. It says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch you in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. Now, I believe wholeheartedly that the evangelist operates in word and in deed. I believe this wholeheartedly. You know, when I, especially when I look at the ministry of our Lord Jesus, his ministry especially when he was out on the road going from city to city he was moving as an evangelist and he was not just out there slinging word oh he was slinging word now but he was slinging bread and fish too i i don't know if there were many encounters where after jesus was done with the spiritual food they had some physical so we see that both are needful you know, the spiritual food was the foundational thing because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So, hey, that was first and foremost. Now, after you've listened to me dissect the spiritual things, let's break some physical bread. That was how Jesus operated. So, I am not a proponent of evangelists that go around and they just preach and they figure They've done their deed for the day or the week and they go about their business. Now, I'm sorry, I'm not really a proponent of that. Now, I've done that in the past, but when I look back now and I realize and I look at the ministry of Jesus, it was a full-bodied ministry and it enabled effectiveness because these people gave their time and their energy to listen to you. Now, the least you can do is to put something in their belly okay so because people have choices and this was the model that jesus our lord left so we should follow that okay now even as i look at second timothy there, there's a lot being said but something jumped out to me and i want to really latch on to that because in this series i'm talking about the teacher the indoctrinator but i want you to see what happens when we become, I guess we can say, callous to the point where, as the scripture says here, they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And what that is actually saying is, <coughs> excuse me, what that is actually saying is they look for teachers that are going to say things that they want to hear. Now, and, and I think that that is dangerous because it is showing you the danger that we're in. It means now, 
it's as if our conscience has been seared with a hot iron and now the Holy Ghost is not in operation because we probably ran him out of town and now we're catering to our flesh because the Holy Ghost don't cater to flesh, ladies and gentlemen. This thing is concerned about your eternal destiny. It cares nothing about this flesh that's going to be put in the ground and be eaten by worms. This is a temple body to roam this plane. What we have in this vessel is eternal. So the Holy Ghost ain't concerned about this, this thing. This is corruption. But it is trying to prepare us for the life after. For eternal life. So when we find ourselves rejecting the word of God. And the thing that I love about the word. I'm going to get back to the evangelist. But I thought I dropped this nugget for the teacher series. The indoctrinator. What I like about the word of God is. Listen to me man. And this can apply for the evangelist too. To encourage you to preach the word. The word of God. As the scripture says. I think it's Hebrews 4 and 12. I don't know if I got that in my notes. But it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is a discern of the thoughts and tense of the heart. Piercing the, the bone and marrow. Listen to me. This, this thing. And I know I jumbled that up a bit. But I think you get what I'm saying. This word of God. Nothing can stop it. You hear what I'm saying? When it goes forth. It's not going to return void. It's going to accomplish that thing which God desires it to do. But we got to send it. It's like a message. You want a message to get out, but you won't hit send. When we preach, thus say the Lord, we're hitting send and it got to go. It go it's going to arrive. I don't care what happens. It's, the message is going to hit its target the way God intends. But we got to send the message. But we've got to understand, in order for the message to be received at an optimum level, at an optimal level, it has to be accompanied by deed. You can't just give word and don't give deed. Everybody's given word, ladies and gentlemen. We got preachers out here. Man, we got many preachers out here. Better preachers than you and I. But what makes the difference? Our Lord came with the deed also. Listen to me. They were in wilderness times. Some of these places where Jesus took them to preach. And they was like, where are we going to get bread? Where are we going to get bread to feed these people? And it was a logical question, wasn't it? But Jesus says, look here, man, what you got here? We got to have something here. And they were able to take that little uh, fish and loaf lunch and, hey, thousands. But the point was, we know God can do all things. But the point was, look here. Don't think that you just give people the spiritual sustenance and just leave it as that. They need natural sustenance too. They're more than just a spirit being. Yes, they're a spirit being at their core, but naturally they need sustenance too. This, this, and this is one of the things I think that has cornered the church of today. Because pretty much the display that we show, it's hardly much different from what we show when we get people in. What we do to get people in is pretty much what it will be when we get them in. If you just get out there with a bullhorn or a nice system, whatever you got, and you preach in the say the Lord and you wrap it up and go home and leave it as that, most likely when they get down to your fellowship, that's exactly what's going to happen. 
but if you bring out the grill and the burgers and the dogs and the and whatever and you got the sound system going <clears throat> pardon me you got the clothes distribution shoes and the works and you preaching that word too of course as the icing on the cake and the filling in the cake you're gonna have a greater impact and it's hardly gonna be i'm not saying i can't swear for nobody but it's hardly gonna be any different when these people become a part of your fellowship because you came in with the love so when we come in we expect the same you know so the scripture says he that when his souls is wise it's just wisdom to understand who you're dealing with people are mind body and soul so when we come at the whole man we've got to be prepared to cater to the whole man or not at all i think it's just good wisdom but let's look, listen to Romans 1 and 16. It says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Or, or for I'm sorry, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, <clears throat> to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So the gospel is it has power when it's proclaimed. So I thank God for the evangelists that get up, that make time. Take time to, to, to proclaim, thus saith the Lord. It's a powerful thing when it is proclaimed. But I feel the need to urge us evangelists. I'm not an evangelist, but I've, I preach a couple of street services, you know, and so much so that people think that, well, that's my call as an evangelist. So it's not really. I've always tried to function wherever I'm put. I've always tried to give my best. If I was cleaning the church toilet, when I clean those, I clean those to the best of my ability too. Amen, Jesus? Because I'm doing it as unto the Lord. That's how every area should operate when we're put there. So evangelist is not my call. I can preach the gospel. Yeah, if you put me there. But I think I, I really feel an urgency to urge evangelists to understand that the gospel is not just proclaimed in word. Because we've got a thousand preachers just on this island alone. I'm on Grandmom, of course. We've got a thousand preachers that can out-preach. Well, man, look here. They can preach. But the gospel is proclaimed and expressed effectively in word and in deed. We can't have step no more. Time out for that. Time out. We're trying to win souls. We've got to use wisdom. Uh, and there's some more I can say about that. And I think I got to say it. You, you've got to know your, your, uh, you've got to know your surroundings. In my tenure at Yorkshire University, where I was trying to get, uh, my, where I was studying for my doctorate, but at my, anyhow, at my tenure at Yorkshire University, um, one of the things that I was privileged to learn was spiritual mapping. It was the first time I ever encountered um, spiritual mapping. And what spiritual mapping is, I probably mentioned it in a series or two before, was knowing your surroundings. It takes homework to know how things are or how things came to be. For example, we go into a drug-infested area. 
and we look at the symptoms and we diagnose that, oh, it's because drugs, you know, that's why it's like this. But sometimes it's a bit deeper than that. Something else may have happened to cause drugs to happen there, prostitution. But it takes effort to dig. And most often than not, that effort is spent in the spiritual realm because the spiritual realm is the foundation of things. So what I'm actually saying is, this is for the spiritual. Whenever we take on a city, <clears throat> the scripture says, in order for us to take a city, we've got to first bind the strong man. That's scripture. It's a spiritual term. What it's actually telling us is wherever we go to preach, wherever we go to try to uh, advance the kingdom of God, we first have to bind the strong man of that territory. So we've got to go in prayer and fasting, and we've got to ask God to show us the strong man. And in doing that, we bind him up, because if we don't bind him up, he's, we're not going to take his city. We've got to deal with him first before we deal with his residence, if you understand what I'm saying. Because he's been lording over them all this time. And you think you can come with a thus say the Lord. And I'm not saying that the word of God don't have power. But we've got to understand protocol and order. This thing ain't just a surface thing. Before we take on any assignment to preach street services. Or do any type of outreach on any scale. The foundational thing is spiritual mapping, prayer, fasting. and We've got to go about this thing with, with effective strategy. And once we bound the strong man, then we can take the city. We can effectively take the city. And then we can come forth and proclaim the gospel in word and deed and see results. But it takes us um, practicing due diligence. Okay, listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. It says, Though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So, the evangelist is arrested by their call. I, you know, you can't escape it. Now, I, I believe there's a difference between a preacher being arrested by his call and an evangelist being arrested by his call. Like, for example, me as a preacher, I'm on this part, I'm on this, this uh, app, wherever you hear this, whether it's YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, this is my call arresting me. This is my virtual pulpit that I'm operating from under the call of God. I've got to proclaim that say the Lord. Now for an evangelist now, the call is more earnest. And I want to use for example, when I because I've operated in the from the office of evangelist before, and that, that office, the, the, the street calls you when you are in that office. And it, it shows you the mantle of a thing. When I operated as an evangelist, man, the street was always calling me. I, I, if I wasn't on the street, I didn't feel like I did anything. Because the call is arrested you. So I understand when, when something goes awry. An evangelist says, man, we need to hit the street. Or probably a time passes and then the evangelist says, man, we need to hit the street. I understand it completely because I've been under that mantle. I've operated under that ministry. 
So I sympathize with them and I empathize and I pray for them because it's not easy. Especially when you feel as if the church, the ecclesia has abandoned the work of evangelists. But I, I don't think it's so much that. I think what pr probably has happened is fellowships don't appreciate the work of an evangelist. And I'm, I'm just saying that from looking over the body as a whole. There, there are just a few that I've seen that get out there and they uh, push the ministry of evangelists or, or what I believe is happening because I don't go to all these fellowships. I'm just saying from what I see, they may be working at full throttle and every area of their ministry is functioning. And if you are working like that, you are effective. I think I can just say that because God put every arm and every area of the ministry together, whether it's fivefold or how many fold, he put them together so that they can work because they are needed. They, they meet needs. Now, there are some churches that are, that are evangelistic first, or then you have prayer ministries, then you have preaching ministries or other, whatever. There are some churches that are built on one still. I call them one still churches. For example, they're evangelist base or they're prayer base or they're giving base or whatever base. But I believe that any ministry has to be four square. They are they have to stand on all of the arms that God has given his body. He hasn't just given us evangelism. God has given his body many folds. And we've got to operate from all of them. And here's the danger of not operating from every ministry. You will find out that your ministry is malnourished. So I believe... When I consider evangelists that are saying, oh, we're not hitting the street or we're not going out, what they're actually saying in essence is this ministry is not in operation. And as a result of that, that can cause your fellowship to be malnourished. It can be the same for a church that's saying, oh, we ain't praying enough. Then your ministry can be mal because it's all needful. It's like vitamins. All vitamins are necessary or they're necessary so that we can be healthy. If you stop taking something, you're going to find yourself deficient. And deficient ministries, they end up hurting people. That's just how it came to me, and I'm just going to say it. Deficient ministries hurt people. And what am I saying? Am I saying that if you're deficient and you're operating at full throttle and every ministry is functioning, you're not going to hurt people? I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there is a lack of empathy for people. If you neglect a ministry, for example, if you would neglect, and I'm just going to say, if you neglect evangelism, you're neglecting the souls of men. You don't see the need for people to be saved. You're hurting them because you're not helping them. So if you're not helping them, you're hurting them. If you neglect prayer ministry, you're neglecting. Uh, the need for people to talk to God and to fellowship with Him and to interact with Him. You're hurting them. If you're not helping them, you're hurting them. And it can, we can go across the board with this. We can go around with every ministry. But we're talking about the evangelist today, the messenger. 
they have a call and a responsibility to declare thus save the Lord. But like I said, and I must reiterate, the gospel has to be proclaimed in word and in deed. Because the evangelist is divested by the call, he can't duck it. But let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 to 7. It says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Sorry. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the, force, in the face sorry, of Jesus the Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. All believers now. Amen. That's 2 Corinthians 4. 3 to 7. So all believers in the Lord Jesus are God's living messengers. And I think I think that's the the takeaway that we have to get. We have a ministry for an evangelist, which is a separate ministry. But at the end of the day, we are all called to spread this gospel. And think about it. Some of us may never mount a pulpit or never grab a mic. But in our lives daily, we have the opportunity to preach thus saith the Lord. You may never even get to teach a Bible study. But your life lived is the greatest message ever preached. It's actually the introduction to the message. Because guess what? If you live peaceably with all men as the scripture admonishes us to, and if you uh, if you live a life of godliness and holiness, you are going to be one that's shining your light. We are admonished to shine our lights, that not to not Hide our candle. You don't hide candles on the bushels and expect them to light up the house, but you put it on that stand so it can be seen. We are admonished to let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. So when we live away or live the way Jesus wants us to live, people will inquire. I'm telling you, people will inquire, an opportunity will come. And you will have an opportunity to share Jesus. But you first got to live the way he called us to live. So I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about demonstrating your relationship with God. To not being a part of the crowds of gossip and slander and hate and ruckus behavior. That is unlike God. Jesus was among them, but they were not able to cause him to conform. I wonder if you get that. We don't have to conform to the world and its standards. So, 
in essence, we are all evangelists. We are all God's messengers. But in the midst of it all, we thank God for those men and women of God that have the call to proclaim the gospel on the highways and byways amid the wonders that come. Let's continue to lift them up because they're doing a great work for the name of the Lord. I look forward to seeing you in the next segment as we continue to talk about the work of the Ecclesia. Blessings on you.